This is the, the Youth, the down, youth, south youth podcast. down South Podcast. The Youth Down South Podcast, a show for youth leaders and young adults. Hey, listeners. I am so excited to tell you about our upcoming Territorial Youth Institute for 2022. It's going to be held at Camp Walter Johnson from July 25th through August 1st. This year, the theme is Rise Up! Unashamed, unafraid, unstoppable. The registration goes live at the end of April. Make sure you keep your eyes peeled on our social media. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Youth Down South podcast. I'm Caleb Loudon. And I'm Jesse Fagerstrom. And we have a show for you today. Do we have a show for you? Do we have a show for you? Today we have our very own territorial music secretary, Nick Simmons-Smith, he's so awesome na, 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 na. That, that God gave him two last names. <laughs> he is blessed. He is that blessed. Yes, and he is blessed. And we are excited to have him on the Youth Down South podcast this, the 28th of March, which is five days, four days, depending on how you count, prior to April Fool's Day, wow, Jesse? Wow, not, not like you're counting or anything, Caleb. Oh, I mean, I get a little nervous when <laughs> April 1st is on happen. its way. Yeah, <laughs> lots of shenanigans. Yeah, can... so when I when I was a little girl, my mom called me down for breakfast, and I always had applesauce. And on this particular morning, in my applesauce was this, like, green, moldy thing that looked very horrible. And I showed it to my mom. I said, Mom, this is wrong. Like, I, I cannot eat this. And she said, well, let me try it first. And I'm going to put myself on the, I'm going to, I'm going to sacrifice myself for you to try this. And I was so worried. My mom took the spoon. She scooped that yucky, nasty thing and she put it straight in her mouth. And I was flipping out. I could not believe that. And yeah, it was just like a bunch of food coloring and she had just like, and she just lost, lost it in laughter. And I was so (laughs) concerned for her that she was eating this moldy crud in wow. the applesauce so that was that is my i was wow. i was scarred Your i mom, was scarred that day <laughs> you gotta keep an eye on that woman yeah right anything and what about you caleb any uh, uh scarring that's occurred i mean i just would rather not say <laughs> it's, it's that bad huh <laughs> no it's more i just don't have the best memory <laughs> so i'm sure i'm sure there is something but i'm just i'm just have nothing right now nothing i'm drawing a blank i is exciting when other comp like companies do crazy th- i don't know yeah. if they're doing it as much as they used to, but you know when Google would like announce that they're gonna unveil a, a new line of like digital paper clips, you know, or something like that. Do you do I anything for your kids though? Like, or like, are you are you planning on you can let us in on the insider scoop? Well, so Caroline's three this year, so this might be the time. <gasps> this to, is your moment to traumatize to begin my to child. Tra- <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean maybe, maybe we'll see. We'll see. Do do something. Do something wild. Do something crazy. You know, fill <laughs> fill their shoes with, crazy. with quarters, and they they're so heavy they can't pick them up. Or I don't know, just something Jesse, silly. Jesse, wow! I just <laughs> I did not know you had this side to you. Although the apple doesn't fall that, far from the it, tree. Man. That's it. You get this honestly. Yeah. And for all of you parents out there who don't enjoy traumatizing your kids, <laughs> unlike Jesse, apparently. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, we have a great episode today. So uh, Nick Simmons-Smith, 
territorial music secretary, one-of-a-kind dude, has a funny way of talking. Uh, it's a very deep South accent. I mean, is that what it is? It's this Southern draw oh. that I think you'll find particularly distinct. Huh. And um, we have a great conversation. We have a conversation about music and creative arts, yep. which is within what his department all, is all about, but more specifically how you can disciple youth and young adults and children through music and the creative arts. You're a product of that whole oh, domain, no, that whole absolutely. thing. I'm a product of it, although I've run away from it because <laughs> I wasn't any good. But I appreciate people that like yourself that ha- are particularly good at that sort of stuff. And we have an opportunity to disciple uh, those who are involved in our music and creative arts program. So enjoyed this talk. Always love talking to Nick. And without further ado. I was whistling a tune and I couldn't quite get the high note and then just from the other office he just took over it's beautiful oh man I mean no <laughs> this is <sounds> dodgy <laughs> okay but you're not supposed to whistle in public okay I was just okay good enough chit chat well welcome again listeners I am excited to introduce to you our guest for today Mr. Nick Simmons-Smith so blessed by God is he that he has two last names uh, and is a delightful person with a very unique Southern accent uh, as a, uh, someone native to the South now and someone who I uh, have made a habit of having conversation with. And every time we have a conversation, I just feel enormously blessed uh, to have been a part of a conversation with Nick. So it's really a pleasure to introduce to you our territorial music secretary, Mr. Nicholas Simmons-Smith. Nick, welcome to the East Down South podcast. Thanks, Caleb. Appreciate it. And Nick, first of all, how are you doing today? You having a good day? I'm having a very good day, yeah. Getting a lot accomplished in the office, a lot to do still, but um, having a good day today. Yeah, a lot on its way. The general visiting, Mm -hmm. the music department very much involved in that project. Absolutely. Uh, commissioning also, and probably a whole host of other things. You got it. That the uh, musicians will help us with. So exciting stuff. And music is such a fundamental part of what the army does. I mean, any kind of event that we have, you can expect and anticipate that musicians will be involved. Uh, creative arts as well. Uh, both music and creative arts are a hallmark of the Salvation Army's heritage. Uh, ever since the founding of the Salvation Army, music and creative arts have been uh, important and integral part of the mission of the Salvation Army. And through that, there's been so much formation that's occurred through music and creative arts, so much discipleship that's happened. So we're excited to have this conversation with you about discipleship through music and creative arts. How did you end up where you are today? What was your journey? What was the process God took you on in getting to your present ministry. Well, I uh, hail from the United Kingdom, from a little place called oh, Chelmsford. I know. Really? Oh. Yeah, it's surprising, <laughs> uh, which is close to London. And uh, I'm a fifth-generation Salvationist, so I grew up in, in the movement and uh, participated in quite a active, vibrant core that had very good music programs, but was also family-centric. Sometimes you get a good family core with no good music or great music and nothing else. It kind of had a good balance and a a circle of friends, uh, about 30 people my age that we just 
uh, spent a lot of time with. Um, and those formative years were kind of really important to me uh, growing up. I discovered that I had some ability in music. Um, my father was a musician and my mum was a, a vocal soloist. My grandfather was a keen musician. My grandmother played the piano. So it's kind of natural uh, that it, it happened that way for me. Um, and I, I wanted to be a journalist or a lawyer, but that just seemed like incredibly hard work. <laughs> uh, and music came kind of easy to me. So uh, as a young, a lazy teenager, I took the easy option, went to music college and um, learned a lot being at the core, watching leaders, uh, observing, uh, listening to orchestration, scoring of brass band music. I learned a lot there. And then I had an opportunity to uh, come out to Texas in 1998. There was a uh, a, an advertisement in a, a Salvation Army a magazine for somebody to come and be a, a music director. And I loved to travel and um, I thought, I'm going to go for it. I never really thought twice about it. And I came out here, worked for somebody called Jim Anderson, who had a really big impact on my life mm. and uh, worked out in Texas for four and a half years. Uh, went back to England for a year and a half, uh, particularly as my grandparents' health was failing. Went back there became a high school music teacher, which I really enjoyed, and then got the opportunity uh, to come back and run a performing arts program in Dallas um, at the same time that I discovered somebody called Roberta, who actually took my job uh, when I left for England. Uh, she replaced me and my car and my cell phone and my dishes and, <laughs> crucially, my extension number. So I would call my old number to speak to my friends and she would pick up and it sounded very delightful, this... Uh, a soothing Canadian voice on the end of the phone and uh, we kind of dated um, across the ocean if you like and then I came back to run these performing arts programs and then uh, eventually found myself in Atlanta which we really didn't want to do uh, but we really do love living here now and eventually uh, my boss retired and somehow uh, somebody thought it might be a good idea that I replace him and uh, I've been uh, doing that job now as Territorial Music Secretary for about uh, 13 years. And you mentioned a very important part of your story, being married to the Roberta mm. Simmons-Smith, who mm. is part of our department yep. and someone that we love to be around. And it's cool that you guys dated sort of, I guess, by carrier pigeon in those days. That's I don't it. Know, yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, what the m main vehicle might have been there. But uh, no, it's a great story. And you've also now two children of your own, yes? Yeah, Jamie and Jonah. Uh, they're 11 and 12. And uh, they're just wonderful. It's the best thing being a dad. And uh, they are very different uh, from each other, but they're best friends. And uh, Jonah wants to be president. And <laughs> Jamie just wants to make people laugh. And he does. Uh, they both do their music thing, perhaps a little bit more reluctantly than I want them to. But uh, <laughs> they both do piano and play the baritone and the euphonium. And uh, we have a great time at home. We have Pepper the dog and uh, Cinnamon and Sugar the guinea pig. So it's it's a busy life at wow, home. Wow, wow. Busy life at the core and busy life at work. Man, lots mm. going on. Yep. And you have youth in your home. So youth ministry hits home for you. Mm -hmm. You know, you uh, not only are involved in youth ministry in your core, but also in your family. And so, it's again, it's just really great to talk to you about discipleship through music and creative arts. You mentioned that... Uh, that your your sons are playing some one of them's playing euphonium. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was a euphonium player and in the Florida right. youth band. Yes, you wouldn't uh, have known that if, unless I told you that. And uh, 
I remember being in the you know solo euphonium uh, the that chair is that what they call it I don't even I mean chair yeah. first you I don't know I don't know the lingo anymore but mm-hmm. and there are people to my right uh, because I was in the first chair and uh, gradually over the years they kept moving past me to my left so mm-hmm. that I ended up third baritone if that's even such a thing uh, and so I I was not as much of a natural when it came to the music stuff as you were. Uh, but I would still say that even though I maybe wasn't the best musician in the world, not by a mile, it was still hugely formative for me and a great source of discipleship in my life. You know, what is it about Salvation Army music ministry, about um, being a timbralist, about being in a drama or what have you that seems to have such a formative effect? What do you think? Well, I can only reflect on my upbringing, perhaps. Uh, I know uh, I'm old enough that I was at the core six nights a week, and then on the seventh night we went out for fun on a Saturday, you know, uh, with the same people every night, um, and uh, it had a big impact on my life. Uh, We had uh, a youth band, a senior band, a beginner band, uh, two drama groups, which really helped with my confidence and public speaking. And, and all of our group uh, that came through that program seemed to do quite well. Uh, it was just enjoyable. Um, to, and they were my circle of friends. I had friends at school, but the people that we hung out with were at, at, the, at the core. And I wondered why that was. Um, I think part of the reason why I had excellent leaders. Uh, I remember my YP band leader, Uh, a gentleman called David Hayward and he would sit on his stool in front of the YP band about an hour before rehearsal so that he could welcome every person in through the Mm -hmm. door and say how are you doing how's your day what are you doing at school he's really interested in our lives beyond what we could do musically in in the group that had a big impact on me and he was also a spiritual man he uh, the devotional wasn't just a, a, a reading from a book at the end just you know, to say you've done it. It had some depth and some meaning and fr- uh, some pearls of wisdom from his experience. So that had a big impact on me. I had um, good leaders throughout the corps. My corps cadet guardian would allow us to debate and talk about the issues and, and we'd learn our, our Bible. And uh, it was just a wonderful experience uh, growing up with so many uh, young people. But good leaders, I think, is what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't perfect people. Uh, nobody is. But um, I just felt they were in tune with the mission of their job as a leader. It mm-hmm. wasn't about having a white stick and conducting and choosing good repertoire. It was more than that. They were really interested in the lives of the people uh, who they uh, led. So that was really important. And I just think in terms of music more generally and creative arts, it it does something that perhaps other programs might not completely do. Uh, So take a brass band, for instance. Uh, Perhaps the most intercultural and multi-generational thing we do in the Salvation Army. Mm -hmm. Uh, 13-year-old Korean boy next to an 80-year-old old old boy from the South next to a Jamaican next to Hispanic. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a beautiful thing. And then you put that in context of what the group does it builds community and Mm. discipline uh, commitment which is uh, people struggle with these days and kind of a sense of accountability and the way I view it um, the musical excellence isn't the main thing 
I want to train, particularly the 15 to 23-year-olds in my band, I want them to answer their emails. I want them to show up. I want them to let me know when they're not going to be there. It's the sort of <laughs> life skills that yeah. I feel I'm going to hold them accountable when they didn't let me know. Not in a mean way, but you know, if you're going to survive in life, you need to look at your email and let me know if you're not going to be somewhere. The sense of team that you get in a group like that is pretty awesome. The relationships you have... Um, and, and so I really enjoy that particular age group, 15 to 23. The reason being is I think if I can keep them involved uh, when they're 22, 23, all through those years, we probably got them for life. But yeah. we lose so many young people um, at 15, 16, 17, or when they go to college, we lose a lot. So if I can keep them involved, stay on top of them, give them a job, can you lead the youth band and kind of mentor them, teach them how to be a leader, then I've probably done something. But it's it's not so much about the music. It's more about um, life, really, mm. uh, and checking in on them, you know. And maybe they're struggling with something and they need somebody to talk to. And that's kind of my role now, or at least the role that I get a lot of joy out of, uh, is uh, not just the musical uh, part, it's also the uh, kind of follow-up and the discipleship with the young people. Yeah, I mean, you said so... I've I was just kind of processing everything you just said because I think it's so rich what you just provided. I mean, talking about the importance of the leader and the intentionality of the leader, the leader's own personal formation so that not only are they bringing their leadership skills in terms of the music or the creative arts to the group, but they're also bringing their own faith commitment, their own faith walk with the Lord into the group that they're leading. And then the... Uh, developmental pieces that are, are in many ways leadership development too, like developing good life skills and communication skills and uh, the ability to be in a team and to do something where there's harmony and or you're uh, being very attuned to what the people around you are doing. Yeah, it's such a rich experience being in Salvation Army um, banding or in another sort of creative arts or music group. And, and I want to say about the leadership piece particularly because um, I would say I have divisional music directors that work in the territory that are an outstanding group of people in every division. I've seen every one of them cry with tears in their eyes because they care so much mm. uh, about their faith walk and also about the young people that they're ministering to. Mm. Um, and that has to be the case. Jim Anderson uh, was a real spiritual guy. He used to take his glasses off in rehearsal and he would say something to the effect of, if you make one musical mistake in a piece of three minutes, you know, no one will notice. But if we all make a mistake, that's 30 mistakes in three minutes. That's a lot. And then he would spiritualize that and say, we all make mistakes in our life, but God forgives us. Mm. And one day we'll see each other in heaven and it would just be a beautiful moment. So it's a natural um thing to do as a leader when you're spiritually alive which is what we're looking for uh, is to connect the piece of music you're playing or the, the the drama you're presenting and and then reach into the spiritual context of it i'll give you a couple of examples mm. you, maybe you're you're learning the piece serenity by eric ball which has the song peace like a river uh, and you can look at the words of that you can explain well this was written when somebody lost members of their family on a boat crossing the ocean and then got to that point in the ocean, in the boat, and wrote these beautiful words, you know, it is well with my soul. And that, just that context moves you. Mm. Uh, another example would be uh, the great devotional piece, The Light of the World, based on Holman Hunt's painting of the same name, of, of Jesus Christ outside a cottage that's overgrown. Uh, there's no um, 
handle on the outside of the door. So he knocks, but you have to open it. Um, and, and that kind of context and imagery in our music can take you to another level. Uh, I'll give you one more example. Uh, Jim Kerno is a wonderful uh, yeah. Christian man, and he wrote a very simple piece called Oh, How I Love Jesus. It just takes you through the tune a couple of times. But every member of the band gets to play Oh, How I Love Jesus at least once in that piece as a little testimony from everyone mm, around the band. Wow. So I think just connecting um, the context of the piece uh, to their spiritual lives and then placing a challenge on them is kind of a, a, a critical part of it. Yeah, there's something about uh, when you're having to rehearse a piece and you're and the leader's done a good job of laying out that context, you're having to inhabit the words of that song or the message of that song in, in a way that just seems um, very, so profound, you know, the, like really have to saturate in, uh, oh, how I love Jesus, and and uh, communicate when it comes to you to play that tune, the the testimony of that in, a, in an effective way, in a way that is musical. Um, there, there's something deeply formed. I think that's why music has always been such a, a big part of the church's history since the beginning. And it may have sounded differently in the early days, but there's always been, I mean, even in the Bible, we find what scholars will refer to as early hymns of the church, like in Philippians 2. Uh, and so there's always been something about attaching to words, um, a music, to a tune or something that causes uh, those things, the messages that are being conveyed to just um, seep in even deeper, I think. And there's something even beyond that, which is crazy, because there's something called absolutism, formalism, expressionism, and mm. referentialism, which we're very akin to in the Salvation Army. We have a, a reference, a, a, a lyric of a song. We make some music, make an arrangement of it, and then we go back and look at that lyric, and it's deeply meaningful to us. But there is also music that has no lyric, mm. but is still innately beautiful and moving. And, and I think of composers uh, that perhaps are atheists and have created these masterpieces which clearly move people. Mm -hmm. And I think that speaks to the creativity of God mm -hmm. and how he can use something as, I'm going to use the word magical as music, something you can't even describe sometimes yeah. uh, to move us in ways. The, the way the chords are orchestrated or move, yeah. uh, the way the note, the line of a melody doesn't have to have a, a, a reference point to it. It still can be deeply meaningful to us Absolutely. to play that. Well, we have that argument. I was just thinking about Eric Ball's um, Resurgum, mm. and uh, there is a there is a text associated with it, but it's not even from the Bible. It's like the Wisdom of Solomon or something kind of obscure. And I, I, I mean, I, the first time I've, I listened to that piece, I did not know the text or the context at all, but there is something so impactful about uh, the, the music of it, like you're saying, that still conveyed to me within the context of Salvation Army ministry uh, the the Holy Spirit. I mean, still God found me in that music, and and so absolutely, I think you're entirely right. Even in th even when there's not a text, there is something that affects us uh, in music that is really powerful. Um, and I love the examples you drew out too of different army songs that do this in a, a different way. Um, and I, I'm thinking about others, and I'm like trying to resist the temptation just to go on this long rabbit trail about. <laughs> Uh, all these different pieces that that do this. I think one that I will mention, as two music nerds now nerding out about mm. this stuff, um, 
I'm I'm forgetting the who the army composer is, but uh, it's um, a arrangement of Thy will keep him in perfect mm-hmm. peace, whose mind yeah. is stayed on Thee. Yeah, and it goes through several times that line in the tune, and then um, it all, it doesn't finish the line. It doesn't get to whose mind is stayed on Thee until I think the very end. And there's all at, at different points. There's some tension with the minor chord and stuff. Then finally it resolves, and then you get to that end, the the end line there, whose mind is stayed on the, and it stays on the same note as it finishes. And Ron Holtz drew the context out for us when we played that um, when I was in the uh, SASF band in college uh, or in seminary rather, and it's all that's been something that's stayed with me. And so in like difficult times, I'll sometimes just sing that as a part mm. of my devotional life and just really meditate on that the end of that line and maintaining that same note and then feeling like yeah everything is kind of coming together that there's that god is still his presence is still with me that there's purpose in what i'm going through and that as long as i keep my mind stayed upon him everything else will fall into place musically speaking uh it's a great example of how a composer not ken downey who did that arrangement but the original uh, chorus writer um who his mind is stayed on thee. Yeah. So the words mean stay on thee, and then the note doesn't move. Yeah. So he's using the music to say something to us. Another example would be, you know, Bach would write and spell things out. You can use <laughs> letters of, you know, uh, of the alphabet to spell something. Or often they would have pieces in 3, 4, or 6, 8, because it signified the Trinity, everything broken up into three. That kind of symbolism mm. takes you to another level. But you're absolutely right. Once you get to grips with that, and it, sometimes it takes a Ron Holtz or uh, <laughs> you know, or somebody of that ilk to kind of spell that out to you, but it, it, it just makes that music much more uh, meaningful and deepens our faith. For me, it, it was a turning point in my life at music school in 1997, a year before I came to America, where I was a very, uh, what I call a plastic Christian, you know, I, I didn't really read my Bible, I didn't pray. I was a pretty good salvationist, shoes polished, you know, could give a testimony, play my trombone, but not a good Christian. <laughs> but I, you could do all the important things. Exactly, so. <laughs> yeah. And, and I went to music uh, school and our, our Bible study was all about Philippians. We mm. looked through the whole book, really easy book to look at, right, and to understand. And then Len Ballantyne wrote a song called If Then, if your mind is on me and I am in you, then. Mm. Uh, and it was so meaningful. I mean, tears in my eyes in that final concert singing that because like, suddenly scripture had come alive to me in a way it hadn't before. That really turned my life around, mm. which is pretty incredible. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, it again, all this speaking to the power of music and the formative effect of it, the evangelism. I mean, it's something we've not talked about because this is our discipleship month, but uh, the music and creative arts can also be a great evangelism tool. Obviously, that's been a part of our history with open air ministry and other ways of public witness. But also, you can invite folks into these groups uh, to participate in practices or what have you. Uh, particularly in youth ministry, there's an opportunity for that with beginner bands. So it can also be a great evangelism tool. Uh, to involve new people into what the Salvation Army is doing. Yeah, you know, there's one division that's done really well with this in particular is AOK. Hmm. Uh, 
Andy is the DMD there, and he just keeps inviting people he comes into contact with. You know, come work at camp for us. And next thing you know, they're a uniformed Salvationist, fully committed to the cause. You know, and <laughs> he's done this multiple times, and it's just a way of, uh, I think the word would be cajoling people. You know, come, come play your cornet. You know, here's a brass band. You might enjoy this. And then next thing you know, they're just fully invested in it. And it, that is, a, we don't do open airs very much anymore, but this is one way that we can grow through music. And and for me, there's a lot about church that maybe would not be appealing to a 16-year-old. Sure. Uh, but if they can participate in a group and it's fun and we play a fun piece and I try to choose music, there's a little bit for everybody, uh, some fun things that they'll clearly enjoy, some things that are obvious what the lyric is and what it means. Um, and then you kind of cajole them and occasionally take them out for ice cream and suddenly you've got them coming to church every week, you know, yeah. and I think that's absolutely vital. Absolutely. Nick, this has been a great conversation. I'm so appreciative of all that you've shared. I, I wanted to highlight something that you made me think of when you're talking about a leader who is uh, invested and a leader who brings their relationship with Jesus into the rehearsal. Um, because I, it reminded me of a moment when I was a young person at a conservatory at Camp Grandview as a uh, 12-year-old or 13-year-old, uh, and we had just played um, Jim Kerno, who you mentioned already, his arrangement of He Giveth More Grace. Hmm. Beautiful, right? Just this beautiful, lush, just gorgeous piece. And um, Daniel Meeks, the DMD then, still the DMD somehow. Yeah, oh yeah. Doesn't look any different to me, <laughs> but his name's now on the conservatory, That's which right. must mean he's getting up there in, in years. Um, but uh, no, Daniel um, led us very well in that and, and really brought the context out. And then, uh, you know, after we rehearsed it a few times, we played a part of it and we played it in such a way that he was moved. Mm. And he let us know that he mm -hmm. was moved by it. Um, he, pointed his arm to show us the goosebumps on his arm, and even his eyes were a little watery. And what that did for me as a young person in that moment was say to me that this matters, mm. that what's happening here is real. Mm. It's real for Daniel, who loves Jesus, who wants us to love Jesus and wants us to be discipled in the way of Jesus. And it matters in the sense that we can have a real part in this ministry and contribute in a way that makes real life change. And so I say that just to say to those music and creative arts leaders who are listening, you have such an important part mm -hmm. to play in the ministry of the Salvation Army, in the church, in bringing young people, boys and girls, uh, young men and young women, uh, into um, the body of Christ and, and developing them as Christians and raising them up in the way of Jesus. So. Uh, we encourage you to just continue to be committed to what you're doing, to know that it matters uh, and that you are so deeply admired uh, in all that you are doing for the kingdom. Nick, is there anything you might say? Yeah, I just wanted to follow up on that and just to say, uh, as a leader, it's vitally important that we are genuine and we are spiritually alive. Uh, you can say all the right things and copycat someone who came before you, but if you don't really have it in your heart, Mm. Uh, I don't believe it's going to have the same impact. So it's really important that uh, young leaders, and they could be 14, 15, 16, um, really commit to a real relationship with the Lord, which means opening up Scripture, means mm. praying uh, throughout the day, every day, um, because then you're going to have a massive impact. And I think I came here 20-something uh, years ago thinking I was going to set up bands everywhere. You know, that was my <laughs> goal. But I realized that really isn't it. 
although we have had some success musically, uh, it's really about connecting with young people. And music is just a conduit for that. Uh, same with creative arts. It's not the end goal. It's just how we reach young people. And what a great way to do. And what a pleasure to serve in that way. Amen. Amen. Hello there, listeners. I am excited to talk to you about Equip Conference 2022. Our conference is happening April 25th through the 27th this year and will be focused on our Ray Strategic Plan. We'll also be looking at the Orange Conference, which is occurring at the end of that same week. So come for both conferences here in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information and to register, please go to our website, youthdownsouth.org. We hope to see you at Equip this year. That's it for this episode of the Youth Down South podcast. For more info about the show, check out youthdownsouth.org.